can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to hi the only podcast that went to Vegas to fight the fakers and made it back in one piece. And broke. <laughs> hi. This is a little bonus episode for you guys. Recorded, uh, this is Sunday, July 21st. And it's about a week after the amazing meeting in Las Vegas. And I know some of you may have known I, I got involved with that. So I wanted to cover it on the show while it was fresh in my mind. Um... Also, here to grill me on the subject is a previous co-host and my wife, Thais. Hiya. There you go. All right. So this is not a regular program, people. And if, you know, if you're not really interested in this sort of thing, that's, uh, you can pass on this one. But uh, if you are curious, uh, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about this and, and, and what went down there and, uh, all the cool people that were involved and, uh. Yeah, just uh, sort of, I got to get this out of my system while I can, because I forget things fast, because I'm... Really, really old. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. We got we have a way together, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, I really want to know about this. Yeah, I haven't talked about it a whole lot since you got back. No, we Ooh. haven't really had much chance. No, yeah, <laughs> busy. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Okay, I know that you were first invited by Evan Bernstein to go down to talk about martial arts on a panel. And then you were roped into a second panel. But I actually don't even know really like what you guys were talking about on either one of them. Well, we didn't either. No, I'm just kidding. And like, <laughs> and who, who else was all on there? Right. So like, let's, let's just get started. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about who, who, who was on there, who was on your panel first and so we have uh john rennie was on both panels and he moderated the second one or he was on the workshop and the panel and uh moderated the the panel on the main stage the second day and i just heard him today on the skeptics guide yeah john's a super cool guy he was really nice and uh he's got a show on the discover uh, not discovery channel uh weather channel right now called hacking the planet uh, he, Sweet. one of the coolest things that I found out about him is he was the editor of scientific American for 15 plus oh my years. God. Yeah. Really? That's, that's wow. a pretty big gig right there. Yeah. <clears throat> that's so cool. But, uh, you know, it's a completely unpretentious guy and just a lot of fun. And he does martial with. arts too. Yes. He is a karate guy, black really? belt in karate. Yes. And, uh, oh, man, he's like a Renaissance man. He is. One of the things he did uh, during the first workshop was uh, to do a fairly impressive little board-breaking demonstration. Wow. Talking about the physics of it, you know, and how it works at the same time. Uh, but, you know, he, he uh, started with one, did two, and then broke three, uh, you know, unspaced uh, boards, wow. which is, do, you know. <clears throat> did they break like and splinter, or did they just break like in, in a perfect seam like they show on TV? Uh, they crack along the grain. Well, actually, John is a very powerful man. So what happened was he walloped them and they just turned into powder. Poof. Wow. Everybody in the audience had some on them. For some reason, I feel a little bit skeptical about that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, he, uh, we get a little ahead of ourselves here, but he, uh, 
talked the whole time and was very clear that, you know, he's like, this is not a super impressive braking demonstration I'm doing. Well, it is to me. Oh, no, it was to me, too, because he was honest the entire time. Right. And, uh, you know, he pointed out like he had one uh, he had one special board that he had baked in the oven. Sorry, I don't know why I've got a frog in my throat. And uh, he proceeded to break that one over his knee to prove that uh, (laughs) baking and drying out the boards is very effective at weakening them. Um, yeah, I prefer to bake cookies personally, but you know, he did a whole thing. I'm not going to get too deep into the presentations. These people did because, uh, I managed to get all of them to agree at some point or another to come on the podcast and, and, and do a regular interview with us. So, you know, well, I don't want to go too far down that road, but he definitely, he talked about, you know, not only the physics involved in board breaking, but, uh, he had an interesting study on, uh, the human hand and forming a fist. He had, he had some cool material that, uh, we'll cover with him. When we Sweet. Him I can't air. wait to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be regular, regular um, episode material. Yeah. And I just <laughs> got to hear him on the skeptics guide. So got to hear a little bit of the science side of him and I don't know, he seems like a really great guy. Yeah. Also on the uh, the uh, first panel, we uh, the first workshop. I, I'm still confused as to what the real difference is. I think it was just one was on a Thursday before the official thing started in a side room, and one was on the main stage during the actual oh. Tamathon. Yeah. Okay, um, that clears things up a little bit. I guess uh, to me. Uh, Jennifer Ouellette was uh, also on there with us, and uh, she's written a book called The Physics of the Buffyverse. Uh, her newest one, <laughs> let me make sure I don't blow this, The Calculus Diaries, How Math Can Help You Lose Weight, Win in Vegas, and Survive a Zombie Apocalypse. Wow, that sounds like it covers all the bases. Yeah. She sounds pretty darn cool. Yeah, so she's got a strong background in physics and uh also spent uh, oh a decade or so in a really tough, uh, uh, I believe it was a Brooklyn, New York uh, jiu-jitsu club. So. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. I wouldn't want to cross her in a dark alley. Mm-hmm. So she talked about some of the physics involved in throwing and leverage and stuff like that, which was also a lot of fun. And again, I won't go too deeply into their presentations because I'd rather once I can get them on the uh, regular show. Yeah, let them do it themselves. You'll you'll screw it up, Dave. Yeah, I will. Yeah, you're not a physicist. (laughs) No offense or anything. I mean, you're a great guy and everything, but yeah, come on. No, I'm no physicist. No. I'm not even an algebraist. No, certainly not. You're probably more of a physicist than an algebraist. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, next. We, we oh, had, uh, yeah, next we had uh, Brent Weedman, who is an MMA fighter. He fights for Bellator right now. Uh, you know, like a 28 and 6 record. Uh, wow. So good fighter. Uh, and oh, wow, what a super nice and charismatic guy. He, he was a real show stealer. He was on both the workshop and the panel, and everybody loved Brent. Because, uh, you know, he's, he, you can tell he's used to ha- attention, like media attention, and he mm-hmm. can talk fast and be funny and drop knowledge like nobody's business. He was never nervous. He was always on. Yeah, don't um, you just admire those people? And, you know, he was not afraid to get down on the floor with you to show you how a choke worked. So uh, Sounds like me in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, you get down on the floor <laughs> and choke those kids. Well, sometimes I really want to. <laughs> yeah. It's my pleasure. Catch them or not. Choke them. Um, but I'm always really funny and charismatic in front of them, too. And yeah. then I, have, I just choke them if I, if I have to. And uh, the last panelist on the, the first workshop was uh, Sifu Z. Let me make sure I get his real name right. It's uh, Steven Ziegler. Is that right? I can't see the computer f- screen from here. Uh, apparently, I can't either. My eyes are blown. Uh, but, yeah. 
uh, but everybody called him Sifu Z, and that's what he went by. And he's a really cool old guy, you know, um, small guy, like, kind of sharp, you know, um, <clears throat> Wing Chun practitioner. And uh, so super fast, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't get to do a lot of paint swapping out right. there, obviously, but, uh, um, you know, he got down on the floor with Brent once, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, one of my biggest regrets of the whole thing after the uh, after the workshop, uh, the, the panel. Geez, I'll never get that right. After the panel, the second day, um, after lunch break, uh, we were all going to get together and work out in the little the little uh, gym area down there. He said there was an area. You know, Brent had already checked it out. There was an area with mats and all that stuff. So you know, I ate lunch and went up to the room and changed into a pair of shorts I'd taken with me, put some sneakers on, and went down there and. I get to the door of the exercise room and I've got my room key and there's a little key card thing there, you know, and, uh, I tried the door once it didn't open and I looking in, all I could see was like one woman across the room on a treadmill, just walking on the treadmill. So I punch my card in there two or three times. There's no click, no buzz. I try the door again. It's not opening. I'm like, what the hell? And I look and there's a little plaque above the card reader that says it's like a $30 daily fee to use the daily. Yes. And I'm like, what the hell? And I kind of like thirty dollars for like a thirty minute workout. That's uh, that's for access for a day. Yeah, and I'm like, God, that's ridiculous. I'm like, oh well, screw that, you know. And I don't even know if they're in there or not. And I look in, that woman's on the trail. I kind of rattle the door, you know, like let me in. And she looks over her shoulder at me like, uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she paid her thirty bones, didn't she? Well, it turns out I feel like an idiot. It turns out there was no thirty dollar fee. It was included in your like fourteen dollar a day room uh, resort add on. I don't know why my car didn't work. And, and actually, upon reflection, after that, and they, they were all like, oh, we were right around the corner. We just, you know, I couldn't Aww. see them and they couldn't see me. And I was like, shit bird. Um, you know, and upon reflection, and I, I, and I, was, I think I was starting to grok that then, but I was too embarrassed to say it in front of anybody. You know what I think really happened? What? You had to take a crap or something? No, no. No, I'm telling this. <laughs> <laughs> what really happened? Until after I got bounced on the floor a couple of times. No, uh, I, I was there trying to get in, and I think I just gave the door a half-hearted attempt the first time and uh, didn't yank the handle. Oh, my God. But and I you're got, like a martial arts guy? I know, like you but couldn't I got, open the goddamn I, door? Well, I got distracted by the whole you're card kidding. reader thing and the oh sign, and I'm just God. like, oh, this is bullshit. You should have, oh, my God. But like the God. second time, I just rattled the door to get oh that woman's attention. God. I didn't yank the handle. Maybe that was what happened. I don't oh. know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty darn embarrassing. My kung fu is weak. Wow. <laughs> Boy, you need to do some practice. No, I, I, I honestly, honey, uh, you know, I. Well, that's I, just kind of that, that just sucks. I'm it's sorry. It's like that a that fun, happened. In reality, like I, I was, that just all sucks. I'm saying is, I think maybe the handle was just stiff, and I just didn't try hard enough, and I got yeah. sidetracked by the card reader, and well, should have been a little more persistent, but I just got pissed off. I'm like, thirty bucks? Fuck thirty bucks! I don't even yeah, know if they're yeah. in there, you know. Anyway, that was my little sob story. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of sad and stupid at the same yeah. time. But well, I, yeah, you know it is kind of sad. I, I went up back up to my room and took a crap and a nap anyway. So. See, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. It was all going to come out somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah. I knew it. Um, okay, well, okay, so tell me about the first the first workshop pre-TAM panel workshop in the side room. What, what did you guys talk about? What was the point of it? You don't have to tell me about, like, each person's demonstration or anything like that. It was just like, what was the general over like what were the people there to see like what kinds of well one person i haven't mentioned yet is uh you mentioned him is evan bernstein so oh, he yeah, set he up the... the first workshop and that it was uh his idea he started talking to uh 
to DJ Grothy, who's uh, um, the lead guy at Tam now that Randy's in semi retirement, uh-huh. um, and uh, and married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, congratulations to James. Randy just went to D.C. and got married at 86 or 7 or whatever he is now. To his 27-year partner because the, he finally can. Yay. Yep. Evan was the linchpin for all of this stuff. He orchestrated the first panel and put uh, the workshop and got all this shit together. And he was just a super class act the whole time. Like, yeah. he, you know. He knew I'd never been there before, so he was making sure to take care of me and all the other people that hadn't been there before, and uh, as nice as he could be, you know, slipped me a ticket to get into the SGU dinner on Friday night. It was, you know, just anything and everything he could do to, to make it work, he did, and uh, it was Sweet. a lot of fun to hang out with him. Yeah, that's great. So the first panel, he got up, he said a few words, and uh, then it just basically got passed down the line, and each person sort of did their little presentation that they had prepared for it. Um, I did uh, <laughs> mine. Uh, to, of course, I'm I'm representing the traditional Chinese martial arts. There were no other kung fu guys there uh, except for Sifuzi, and uh, he was sort of a late addition. So I'm like, all right, I gotta. You know, we we in the Chinese martial arts have a uh, real penchant for kind of woo woo stuff, <laughs> and uh, we as in. We Not at, you, but well, you, yeah. Well, you know, I did too for a while. I know uh, you did, but you don't anymore. No. In any case, go ahead. Um, so I decided to dress it up uh, in, you know, fancy Chinese terminology. And so I did the five martial fallacies and the three cautions, which basically I thought would appeal to the skeptics because I'm riffing on fallacies and uh, would also give me a way to sort of, uh, you know, explain and defend some of the things that go on in traditional martial arts because obviously I still love them. And right. I still do them. So, um, uh, you know, if you want, I can give you just a nutshell rundown of what they were. Yeah, that'd um, be great. And by the way, folks, all these talks will be available uh, online. Video and audio of this stuff is going to come out, but they're going to, it'll probably take them a month to edit this stuff. So, or, you know, and they'll trickle it out over time. But if you want to, you know, we'll post notes and, uh, or mention it on the podcast again when these things go up, but they'll be at the JREF channel on YouTube. So just. To clarify, though, this whole first workshopy panel was about martial arts and skepticism. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And science, the science of martial arts and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. And this, the interaction between martial arts and skepticism. And it, it was a much more broad-ranging workshop than the second one, which kind of was shorter, more tightly focused. And we'll know. get to it in a minute. So yeah. go ahead and tell us a little bit about your, your presentation. All right. So... Uh, my my five martial fallacies went as thus. Uh, I had the wooden dummy, which is also a straw man. <laughs> That's the actual fallacy or a non sequitur. But the basic gist of it was, <clears throat> I'm not going to redo the whole presentations here, but the gist of it was, uh, you know, if you only punch and kick air, you're only qualified to punch and kick air. Um, all the stuff that you do, uh, forms, dummies, breaking boards, all that stuff. It can, it's great and it's part of the process, but it only takes you so far. So if you are looking for a martial art to defend yourself with or to do sport with something where the rubber is going to meet the road and you never actually put your hands on another person in class, that's going to be a problem for you. Agreed. Okay. Uh, number two, uh, ancient Chinese secret which is the argument from antiquity fallacy. Oh, yes. We've all run into this one, but, you know, it's just basically, I mean... Uh, and when we talked to Ben Judkins, this came up a couple of episodes back that, you know, virtually every style practice today had its current 
form codified or its origins in the last 150, 200, you know, years. None of this stuff goes back to thousands of years yeah. ago. <laughs> I mean, of course, a choke is a choke, and they were probably choking people out the same way in pancreation or, you know, Indian wrestling uh, a thousand years ago or Mongolian wrestling or whatever as we do now. But the arts that we practice now come from modern history. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing because that makes them still viable in a modern world, a lot of them. So, yeah. you know. But uh, don't hang your hat too much on people's tales of uh, <laughs> legendary antiquity. Uh, number three is the golden carp, which uh, is the red herring fallacy. Okay. And that kind of falls along, uh, you know, the other thing. But basically, lineages, titles, belts, patches, fancy uniforms, uh, you know, the origin stories, all that stuff in and of itself means very little. You know, don't get distracted by all the trappings. They're cool and they're fun, but in and of themselves, they don't mean a whole lot. Right. Um, let's see. Number four would be the no true ninja, which is the no true Scotsman fallacy. <clears throat> but it basically is a way that you will see some some schools and teachers cover for inadequacies. So um, they'll say, you know, you say to the tai, tai Chi guy, well, you know, um, you know, I don't ever see any like real fighty contact in your class. You know, you move you, too slow. Yeah, do you guys spar or whatever? No, no, no. You know, Tai Chi's a, a true Tai Chi master would never wallow in brutality like that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or the karate guy that claims his stuff is too deadly for the ring, or the kung fu guy. You know, it's like yeah, you know, oh, no true karate man would go in the ring and kill someone. My stuff is too deadly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the no true Scotsman fallacy, a la martial arts. Uh, and number five to wrap that part up was uh, the once upon a time in China, which is basically the naturalistic fallacy. And this is where <laughs> this is where somebody like me, who's a traditional martial arts and a skeptic, runs into trouble all the time. I mean, and, and not only the stuff that's related directly to martial arts, but you know, if I'm in a kung fu class with ten other people, there's a good chance that like eight of them are gonna poop their pants if they find out that I don't hate gem- genetically modified food. You know, <laughs> or oh yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. There's so many things I out there know. that are just sort of part they go and like hand in hand. They're oh, all yeah. like all the medical stuff, the yeah. acupuncture and the reiki, and I know. And they're like, oh, thousands of years of history goes into this. I'm like, you can be wrong for thousands of years. You really can. (laughs) Yeah. A billion Chinese can't be wrong. Actually. (laughs) (laughs) And that sort of goes back to the whole argument from antiquity thing, but it's, it's just the, you know, natural is good. Anything else is evil. And, uh, you know, and real quickly, I'm just glossing these. I'm not trying to recreate the presentation. That'll be up at some point. But uh, the three cautions, and this is where I sort of turn it back to the skeptics to be like, be careful not to make these mistakes when you approach martial artists, especially traditional ones. Uh, do not toss out the Buddha with the bathwater. <laughs> and that's basically the genetic fallacy. You're kind of a mix of that and the, the fallacist fallacy, which is basically, even if something's fallacious, that doesn't mean it's wrong, right? You, you could right. be right for okay. the wrong reason. Sure, and, sure. You know, stuff like, uh, there's a lot of pre-scientific paradigms in traditional martial arts. You don't see so much in MMA and stuff like that, more modern sporting stuff. But, you know, these arts do claim uh, a long history and have a longer history. You know, I mean... It's the concept of chi made perfect sense when people and it's it's culturally universal, which we addressed a lot in the second workshop. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, 
they're like I still teach people qigongs because well because it helps to learn how to relax right. your body and breathe and it's air work it's breath work yeah and you can do a little self psychology you can you know do some meditation to try to you know be able to achieve certain states when you know like basically get in the zone uh, and sure t- <laughs> so there's a there's a lot of useful stuff in there even if the the notion of chi as a vitalistic life force does well, not have any scientific evidence behind it oh yeah or like Somebody using their chi to like send somebody across the room without touching them or something yeah, like that. We did a but, lot like, of that in the second panel. Yeah, yeah that, but the idea of just breath work and, and you know, using it to clear your mind and, you know, breathe into your body and whatnot, like there's, there's nothing that's good stuff. That's yeah. good for you. No, it makes you feel good and it can relax you and de stress you. And, you know, yeah. there's, no, there's, there's all sorts of reasons to do it without having to take the, the, the core premise of vitalistic life force seriously. Exactly. Um, let's see. And there's a lot of other stuff like that. But, uh, re- number two of the three cautions would be, uh, you know, refrain from saying that shit would never work in the ring because, <laughs> You may be right, but that doesn't make that shit worthless. Right, because sometimes you just need to practice something so that you can get better at something else later on or to work on your uh, strengthening or stretching or to work on... Sometimes repetition really does help um, help when you need to get to something else. Right. So. Well, also, just talking specifically tactically, like I, I asked Brent when we were doing the panel, I said, uh, Brent, you know, you, you train and, and fight professionally in MMA. How much of your valuable training time do you spend learning to uh, practicing cutting an angle and setting up a good hard push on somebody? He's what like, do you say? Uh, uh, virtually none. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, of course you don't, because that shit don't work in the ring. If you shove some guy, he's just going to bounce off the cage and jump back off of it with a twirling back fist or something. You know, <laughs> he's got nowhere to go and there's nobody else to worry about. But if you're ambushed on the street, if you angle on someone and push them into their buddy, that can buy you precious seconds to, you know, or into oncoming traffic. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did say I felt like Archie Bunker, but I said something to the effect of, you know, if you don't believe pushes are can hurt you then you've never seen anyone pushed out of a window little girl you know (laughs) (laughs) or into traffic or whatever so you know different circumstances require different tactics nothing's going to cover every angle yeah but who wants to fight in a ring i mean i know that there are a few people who want to fight in a ring but i mean i would say probably the majority of people who even study martial arts don't want to fight in a ring i don't you know the majority of people studying martial arts in america right now uh I don't know about majority, but a damn high percentage of them are are doing MMA and other sportive combats. I guess so. You know, if I'd pick this stuff up when I was younger, I would do more of that, too. It's it's awesome pressure testing, and the stuff they do works great when you're one-on-one, you know. Uh, It's... They're tough bastards, and I'm not taking anything away from them, because I might run into one, and it'd stomp me flat. So, you know... But different martial arts, different things like that are set up to do different things. So basically the whole point of that one is don't judge everything by one yardstick. Try to figure out what it's trying to do and judge it by that yardstick. Yeah, and if that's not what you want to do, then fine. That's fine. But you yeah. don't have to say that it's crap or something. That's one of the things right, that, that, exactly. gets to, that gets on my nerves so much about martial artists is like, oh, that's crap or something. And I'm like, what is this, junior high? Like, yeah. I mean, I sound like my <laughs> middle schoolers. Do what you like and let other people do what they like. Do what you want to. And the last one is don't poison the sake, which is basically poisoning the well. Um, You know, people go and look at traditional martial arts teachers. Often they expect, you know, the 
the venerable master with the long beard that kind of walks on a cloud and always has pithy moral teachings and stuff like that. A lot of the good traditional martial artists are, are everyday people, you know, and some of them are overweight. It's the old classic Chinese cook thing. You know, they're not professional athletes in most cases. Yeah. So, you know, the MMA guys, while they're still practicing anyway, they're going to be in great shape because they're training to fight in the ring. And uh, those people train harder typically than traditional martial artists because they know they're going to be in a fight. Right. And they know it could last 15 fucking minutes, you know. Yeah. Um, so they have to if they want to be serious in the game. But there are good traditional martial artists of every size, shape, sex, you know. Uh, disposition out there. So again, it's it's all about knowing what you're looking for and whether or not the person can give it to you. Well, it sounds like it was a good a good presentation. I, people seem to like it, uh, and that's that's another thing. People seem to really like both of these panels. I think they were uh, they were new for that environment. Mm -hmm. They'd never really done anything on martial arts before, and uh, you know they uh, uh, people really appreciate it. And of course, I mean martial artists are are embedded everywhere in the culture. So you know right. a lot of the people that came up to talk to me did martial arts themselves and were really excited that it reared its head at this particular, you know, event. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. And, uh, well, well, we did that first thing and that was literally, I landed in there and, you know, I'd gotten up at three 30 in the morning to make my way to the airport and got to Vegas about one o'clock their time, got checked in everything. And that panel was at four 30. So, it was pretty, pretty <laughs> hectic. Hairy. Yeah, I went looking for something to eat afterwards, and I, you know, didn't know what was going on or anything. I probably walked right by half a dozen people that I could have sat down and talked to, and just didn't realize they were there. But most of the restaurants were already closed, and the ones that were open were charging thirty bucks for seafood that was way too far from the ocean. And I was just <laughs> like, you know what? Screw this. I went and got a bag of beef jerky, went up to the room, ate it, and went to sleep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, I hope we're not boring you listeners by going on too long about this. But uh, so wait, wait, let's let's talk a little bit about what what was different about the the next the panel the next day when you were in the on the grand the main stage. Yeah, well, that was. Uh, you said it was like more specific or something. Yeah, yeah. The second uh, the second thing. So that was uh, that was at like ten forty five. I think it actually started at eleven. It was the coffee break after the coffee break at the beginning of the next day. And um, did you have like a? Did you have like pack the house? They were running things through so fast that like after the guy in front of us, and actually I think we were before the coffee. I forget, but there was somebody before us, so we were waiting for them to finish. And they finished. We just swapped out real quick and went on. And so when they finished, some people got up and walked out. But then once the panel started, people started, you know, a lot more people started coming back in. I mean, there were over a thousand people at the conference and there were probably seven or eight hundred of them. Wow. In the room. Yeah, I know. Oh, man, you're like famous now. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but that one just focused more generally on uh uh, or more specifically, I should say, on, on woo and martial arts. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, talked a little bit about, you know, how uh, about the origins of, of chi and, and how it got started historically and that sort of stuff and how it developed over time uh, as it related to martial arts. And uh, just a few minutes on that. And 
you know, we uh, we had some videos of the the uh, no touch knockouts and the George oh, Dillman yeah. stuff with his bullshit. You know, if you lift one toe and put the other one down, blah 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 blah. You know, <laughs> and we also had the video of the guy on mind, body, and kick ass moves who was thoroughly convinced that he could do an iron shirt qigong and he made the x in the crossroads and lit the candles and did the breathing and stuff and wait, wait, what are chopped you his about? arm and uh chopped his arm and the blood flowed i think that grossed some people out but i did yeah that's him. disgusting yeah but the point that was being made by that is look these a lot of these people aren't out there to figure out this has been passed down as tradition and somehow they've been convinced that they can do it yeah and you know, yeah, that's dangerous w- though. That's... When it fails under the cold light of yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's awful. That's so sad. Ugh, and it's gross too. Yeah. Wait. So uh, what? Um, did you learn something that you just thought was really interesting that you thought you should pass along to your listeners from from anyone in particular, or was was there a story that you particularly enjoyed? Well, it's a, um. Just some anecdotal stuff from that. Uh, yeah. Um, and again, we don't need to go too heavily into what these panels were like because I'm going to have some of the other guests that were on there come onto the show and talk to you about it, and it'll come. I know. Up I'm just asking you if there's something that was your well, favorite. Well, like one Dave. of my one come of my on now. one of my favorite moments was uh, right after we finished that second panel. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent jumped up and and you know he was on for that thing. People loved him. He jumped up and ran kind of backstage. And I'm like, what's going on? And uh, Reed, uh, who was, uh, I haven't mentioned him yet. He's the, they call him the fight scientist. He's not really a martial artist himself, but what he is is a statistics cruncher. And he's done some amazing things with uh, mixed martial arts statistics. Hmm. And he's got a book coming out. It's, and again, cool. We'll leave that for later. But uh, yeah, go ahead. But he so said, Brent runs in the back. Yeah, it ran, runs backstage. I'm like, oh, what's up with him? And he's like, I think his wife's having an ultrasound today. They're going to find out what the sex of their second kid is. Oh. So yeah. So I went out there and he had his back, you know, he was in the corner in the hallway backstage with his back to everybody. Too. Yeah. And uh, he turned around, tears of joy in his eye. He was having another boy. <laughs> oh, he would have had the tears of joy either way. Yeah. Or do you? Are you sure he wasn't hoping for a girl the second time? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's a young guy. They can always try again if they want to. Oh, God. we're done with this. We are finished. Oh, I know. But I, I, I did think yeah. it was funny, you know. Two boys, two boys. Oh, good lord! I'm like I'm right there with Save you, and my, I'm an old man. Save me. <laughs> I'm always surrounded by boys. Yep. yep. Always. It's my lot in life. Well, at least once you get this one out of you, you won't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. uh, No. What? I have to deal with it for the rest of my life. Not being in you. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I did did experience some goodness because I have nephews only. I don't have any nieces. And um, my nephews are all older now. And so... I was just visiting them, and it's really great when the boys get bigger because they do everything for me. They're like, here, I'll carry that. Here, let me get the groceries in. Here, let me carry your son for you. Here, let me reach things that are tall and you can't reach because you're so short. Oh, you know, (laughs) I just really enjoyed um, being spoiled by these really awesome boys. So I'm hoping that my boys will be, um, you know, as accommodating as my nephews, and so I just have to raise them right um, with your help to spoil their mama, right? I yeah, spoil absolutely. them, you know, now. So 
I'll do what I can. <laughs> yeah. What do you got there, Dave? Oh, nothing. I'm just looking at some stuff. The the other thing I wanted to talk about was it was a lot of fun to hang out with uh, just, you know, the people that came up and started talking to me there. I met a lot of interesting people, a lot of martial artists. I got uh, Dave, my brother from another Korean mother, the Taekwondo <laughs> guy. And uh, <laughs> um, oh, God, the, the problem is. It's only been a week, and some of the names are already fading from my mind. I've got cards and and stuff like that hidden around. But then you can't read them because your eyes are going. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> you can't it's remember hard to... because your mind is going here. Do you want to? Here, start? I got a card guy. I hung out, talked to for two straight days almost, but I can't. Rafal Podowski, Peacock Blues Art. Yes. Okay. He, he had RAF on his uh, RAF on his ticket. Oh, okay. His, uh, RAF. Land. Okay. RAF. Yeah. Uh, he was cool. My my uh, Kansas uh, lawyer fella and his buddy, uh, lots of cool people. The uh, chick from Knoxville that just graduated with an art degree from UT auctioned off a oh one of a your painting people. at the SGU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also uh, brought a glow in the dark hula hoop down to the bar at, on Friday night. <laughs> Don't you just <laughs> and love did that? Some freaking some good hula hooping. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And you also went to the Penn and Teller Bacon and Donut Midnight. Party bash? Midnight party, yep. <laughs> Bacon donuts, uh, his No God band. Uh. <laughs> and Teller spoke. No, yeah. Penn. No, wait. Which is the one who Teller. doesn't tell her? Yeah. He spoke to you. Yeah, he speaks in real life. I know. Yeah. But it like, it's almost unbelievable. It is. No, I love those guys ever since I saw Penn and Teller get killed on VHS back in the day. Uh, his band's kind of crap, but uh, they oh, have their hearts in the right place. <laughs> don't say Well, look, he's like a millionaire with a garage band uh, that uh, wants to do something nice for Tam every year. So he throws a party at his own expense, and they basically hand out T-shirts for suggested donations. And Wait, who, Penn or Teller? Penn. Okay. Yeah, it's Penn Gillette's thing. But Teller was there. Um, and, uh, you know, all of that was, th- that was great fun. Uh, I did get to see a few of the other presentations. They were really nice. Um, did you uh, go to the SGU dinner? I went to the SGU dinner. They were recording the podcast the next day. So I had to be on a plane or on my way to a plane while they were doing it. Um, so which worked the- out just fine. Cause then we got to listen to it together. Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh. And the, the dinner was a lot of fun. They had a little trivia contest and a si- and not a silent, an auction. They had George Robb auctioning off. Oh, stuff. Yeah. So again, all of this is only going to be pertinent to the skeptical people in our audience, or this is the people familiar with the skeptical movement. Um, but you know, some of these people, to me, because I do dig the skeptical movement, are you know like minor rock stars. And I was like, "Yay, Massimo Piliucci, rock it, baby! <laughs> Tell me about the demarcation problem." All right. <laughs> So, you know, uh, again, uh, people out there in High Island, uh, we will post it and let you know when these talks are available online. And you will be hearing from some of the people that were on these panels with me because they're super cool people, really good martial artists, and uh, have a lot of interesting stuff to say uh, as well. And I want to get them on the regular show format so, you know, we can take a little time and dig into their stories. And uh, Tice, is there anything else I didn't tell you that you need to know about my time at TAM? I certainly hope not. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm way past that phase. <laughs> <laughs> or fortunately. Yeah, exactly. Depending on how depending you Depending on it. your perspective, yeah. No, I was a reasonably good boy. 
I got drunk the second night, but but you had to drink that wine so you could bring the bottle home. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they gave out a nice etched bottle, you know, that had the fighting the fakers thing and all that stuff on it, and had my name actually etched on the the wine bottle, and it was good wine too. I know this because I was not going to check a bag. They probably would have broken it anyway. I just had one bag, you know, one of those rolly bags that slips into carry on. And uh, but I wasn't going to leave the bottle there. So the day I was leaving, I bought a cheap corkscrew. I tried to get them to open it at the bar. They're like, we can't uncork outside wine. I'm like, <laughs> OK, I was going to give it away to your patrons, you know, make them happy, probably drive your tips up. But whatever, I'll go to the gift shop and buy a 99 cent corkscrew and go in the bathroom before I go out to meet the shuttle and pop the cork on that sucker and take a big gulp of it. Mm, and then pour the rest down the sink for my dead homies. Oh, so yeah. That well, was I wasn't going to be drinking it with you anyway. Nope. <sighs> Not right now. Anyway, you're in a way, as they say. I am. I'm yeah. bulbous. <laughs> yep. But they don't need to know that. Well, no, they do. They do. Yep. That's what happens when you get a baby in you. Ouch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that about covers it then. And, uh, Stay tuned. Your regular high, 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 episodes will be coming out to you on their regularly scheduled times, and uh, we will see you all later. Hiya, over and out. You ponder the universe, and a look comes across your face. You try to fathom distances of all the stuff in space. But you can't wrap the bacon of your mind around the fig Of all the terms required to describe how big is big So let me get specific And use words scientific Go whip out your thesaurus For this exacting chorus This stuff is far It's really far This stuff is far, far, far away We're talking far Car in a day, it's super duper crazy far, but I'm just pulsars, quasars, and stars. I mean, it's far, 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 far. If there's some doubt, listen to a shout. This stuff is far. It's full of stars. I sense all the explosions going off inside your brain as your mind gets blown by what I just did explain. Sorry if my words might drive you all insane, but that's what happens when precision is your middle name. So with an exacting factor, like some sextant or protractor, using details quite semantic, I'll show how huge is this gigantic. This stuff is far. It's really far. This stuff is far, far, far.